0: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Listening. It is one of the chief skills that parents need with their children. From paying attention to children to listening to teachers and doctors, much of being a parent consists of listening. Listening. Yet, most parents only listen to about 3% of what is said. This means we often don't hear important information relayed to us. Why is this? Why is listening so important to parenting and how can you improve your listening skills? Well, here today to discuss all of these topics and more is Christine Miles, author of the award winning and critically acclaimed book, What is it costing you not to listen? Miles is known as the listening guru and today she discusses how critical listening is to being a parent and has tips on how to improve your listening skills. But before we get there, I want to quickly share a minimalist resource with you this week. So my resource this week is Simplify Magazine. It's a quarterly digital publication for families, and I actually had the honor of being included in the March issue. The title of my article is Stuck on Sentiment Tips for Paring Down Memorabilia. So obviously, like the name says, it focused on decluttering sentimental items. Some other topics included how I let go of 70% of my stuff in eight months, the art of thrift shopping for clothes, understanding hoarding, the timeless home, and then the last of the 11 articles is 10 Decluttering Principles Everyone Can Use by founder of Simplify Magazine, Joshua Becker. I'm always bad about promoting the things that I've done, so if you're interested in seeing other podcasts I've been a part of, there is a collaboration page on my website, minimalistmomspodcast.com, and for Simplify Magazine, I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes for you. The only other bit of housekeeping I'd like to get to before we get to the episode would just be to say if you are enjoying this podcast, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or family member. Now that it's spring, a lot of us are looking to get rid of the things that we have accumulated throughout the winter months. So my hope is that this podcast helps inspire people that may just be beginning their minimalist pursuits Or people looking to declutter their mind and schedule. So, share your favorite episode with someone that you love and want to encourage, and I would really appreciate it. All right, let's get into this conversation about listening with Christine Miles. Okay, Christine, you're here today to talk about listening and how important it is to be a good listener as a parent. And I mean, I can see that as my kids are getting older, just listening to their concerns and their lament. So I can't wait to pick your brain a little bit more about the importance of listening and maybe why we're not as good at it as we think we are. But before we get there, why don't you go ahead, and introduce yourself, and we'll get into the
1: conversation. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm Christine Miles. Uh, I'm originally from Hershey, Pennsylvania. I live in Philly. These days. So, if, have you been to Hershey or not? Ain't Diane? So, I like Yeah, that. I have. But, I love Hershey. Yeah, I did serve some popcorn and cotton candy back in the day, but that was a long time ago. So, yeah, you know, kind of an idyllic childhood in many ways outdoors, lots of sports, lots of play. Father was a businessman. Um, but I learned to listen differently pretty young. I can remember as early as five because I had a mother who had psychological and mental health issues because she had lost her mother from childbirth. You know, it was very warm, charismatic, and very loving, lit up the room. But underneath the surface was this tremendous pain that most people didn't see. And part of my job was to really listen and understand that and what wasn't said, not just what was said. So I learned to tune in very differently at a very young age.
0: Yeah. You have been called the listening guru. I saw as I was researching you a bit. So I'm curious to know how you grew this and how you, I mean, you turned this into a business. Basically you've written books on listening. So tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Well, I think most of our passion and purpose shows up pretty early in life and and fundamentally. So so this has been my life's work. I have a master's in psychology. I started my career as a home-based family therapist when I was just 22 years old. So I started working with families very young. And I had no experience, no anything except a degree, an undergraduate degree, But I was successful in that role more than even my older, more experienced counterparts because I already showed up with this ability to listen. And when I say listen, I don't mean just to pay attention or to attend, but really to fundamentally understand things that were beyond my scope. And so listening helps us understand in a way and when we listen to understand in a way that we don't have to have lived through something to to help somebody through it. So, so that was kind of the beginning of, of tapping into that. And then I, you know, I I spent my first part of my career as a therapist, but I loved business because I had my father who was a businessman. So I wanted to parlay that experience working with families and systems into business. And my work has always been around the soft skills or what we call the human skills. So raising emotional intelligence and the commonality of most problems I've helped solve in those realms were that people didn't, they failed in communication. Because of their inability to listen more than what they were able to say, more than what they, it was more about what they didn't hear and didn't understand.
0: Yes. And you say most parents only listen to about 3% of what is said. And this means we don't often hear the important information that's relayed to us. So why do we only listen to 3%? I, I know that there's something called active listening, which I, I try to do sometimes. Yeah.
1: But yeah, why do we only listen to 3%? Well, there is something called active listening. I'm glad you said that because that's largely been what people know about and has been the gold standard. And while I think it's the step in the right direction, I think it also woefully underachieves. We're just trying to show somebody we're actively listening or paying attention. And I think we're white knuckling it uh, because really that doesn't give us all the tools that tells us what to do, but not how to do it. And there's a lot of enemies of listening and congratulations to all your parents, because I don't know how you get your own teeth brushed in the morning, let alone all the the little ones you have and keep everything, your head above water. So in the absence of the tools, we're not going to hear very much because our brains are the greatest enemy of listening our brains are telling us a story, we're distracted. It's Uh telling us to do everything but listen. And then you add the other demands of the day on top of that. So unless we have the tools, we're going to largely fail.
0: Yes. And I saw that you have six steps. So we don't have to go in depth to all of them because obviously I want to direct listeners towards your book. However, if you could just give an overview of these six steps, because it's so important to listen as a parent. Do you have any more insight into that before we get into the steps?
1: Yeah, well, it's important for two reasons because one and you already said it, your kids are 8 and under, right? So they're already starting to have their own things that they're lamenting on and thinking about and um, and so it's important that we tune in and help them create an emotional language around things so that they can navigate their feelings and self-soothe. That's part of what listening does. It helps enable them with the tools, the emotional skills themselves. To navigate, it's also important that we model for them what listening really is, so that they can be good listeners in the world. We know that that's something when when they get that young, as I did, it can help them be successful in other areas and in different ways. It's only going to turbocharge their other skills and abilities. So, so it's really important. And sadly, there's only there's no education in our school systems on listening. Zero years of education between, you know, when you're in kindergarten through your business executive programs, zero years on listening. So we are told to listen. I'm sure you've said that to your children as a parent, but we are not taught how. So we we enable the tools. And there there are six main tools on what the solution is. The book's called What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? Mm -hmm. Because you can't solve a problem you don't know you have. So what are the costs of not listening? With kids, we know that anxiety is going up tremendously in this social media world and all kinds of things. So at the very least, it's going to cost us our our kids emotional sense of self. So we need to tune into that. But the solution is called the listening path, the path to understanding. And there's six main tools on that path. And so as a parent, you can use one or all of those tools to make an impact on how you listen. And the byproduct of that is you can also enable your kids with those same tools.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would say looking to my relationship with my spouse and not necessarily with my children, but so often I want my husband just to listen and not fix. And I feel like he's listening to fix. And it's like, no, I just need to verbally process with you, get this out of my brain. And maybe that's spewing on him a little bit more than he deserves. But I'm curious to know the six steps because I'm wondering if that's something that we do wrong.
1: It's it is. It's whatever and women do it too, by the way. Men are a little more problem solving oriented by nature than, than women, but trust me, women say the same thing. We listen to solve problems, and that's trying to be helpful. That's an act of love for men, right? He's trying to love you by saying, Let me help you, but you're saying, No, 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 I just want to process it. The the truth lies somewhere in the middle. When you listen differently. He can actually help you problem solve, but there's some precursors to kind of earning the right to do that. So when you do that, then you get to advise or help a little bit more, because otherwise it can just be kind of like, what am I supposed to do? just listen to you be in pain? That's an uncomfortable place to be. Uh, And so and I will tell you that. We have clients while we're, we work largely with businesses. There's so many parents that we work with. And we have a gentleman just that we're working with in a, in a client company that said his three and a half year olds already starting to use the tools because he's using the tools with them. So this is, this is simple. So the analogy is you wouldn't go hiking in the woods or backpacking for three weeks without taking tools or supplies in your backpack. And we go into conversations unprepared and unprepared how to listen. So we give you those tools so that you don't get lost in the metaphoric woods, so to speak. And so and and so one of those tools is really I'm going to give you one that really helps with parents because we say a lot of things and spouses, but we don't necessarily affirm understanding once we have it. So you might tell your kids to pick up their toys. Right. And you expect that they heard it and they're going to do it. Right. So one of the things, one of the tools, we call it the water filter. So stories get contaminated when we hear them because of our brains. And so we have to make sure that we filtered all the contaminants out, our Mm -hmm. own stories versus the stories that, that, you know, the teller or the person asking for is is telling us. So one of the ways to do that is to just to start to ask your kids, you know, pick up your toys Mm -hmm. and then ask them to reflect back what you heard. Right. And Mm -hmm. say, tell me what you heard me say, and then ask if they get you. Mm-hmm. So you can just say to them, well, you know, tell me, tell me what you heard and ask mommy, do, do I get you? Mm-hmm. And if they do, it might be, you want them to pick their toys up in the next hour. You want them to pick their toys up mm-hmm. by the end of the day. It's whatever they heard. You want to make sure your two are really in alignment. And mm-hmm. if they ask, do you get, do they get you? You're going to connect more around what was said and what is what is intended versus what they want to process or hear. We expect because we tell kids something Mm -hmm. that they've gotten us. And when we teach them to affirm that and make sure they understand the whole message, we're teaching them how to communicate in a much more effective way.
0: Yeah, so I definitely want to hear a few more of your examples and some ways that we can improve listening skills. And then at the end, before we wrap up, I want to know something that we can implement today.
1: So, there's a lot of things that you can do to listen differently on those six tools. The first thing, just to help parents understand, is that you can't listen well all the time, right? It's just you have a lot going on. So, it's also okay to make space for when you're able to listen and just say, hey, you know, Mommy's doing something, but once I'm done, I'm gonna take a moment to listen because they they can want it right now, right now. So sometimes we have to realize multitasking doesn't really work. So it's okay to hold the space differently so that you're not always under that, that pressure. But the second thing is to know that whenever you're listening, you're always listening to a story. Your kids are always telling you a story, whether that's a 10 second story or a 20 minute story, you're always getting the story. And so one of the things, and this is in the book, is when you understand the path or a map to a story, you know how to guide or navigate your children or your spouse to really listen to get the whole story, whether that's a very, very short story or like I said, a 20 minute story. And then when you become that guide, you really become more effective as a listener. So it's just like when we tell stories and you tell stories all day through reading books, there's a beginning, there's a struggle, there's a tipping point. There's a an ending or a, a new beginning, and that's part of what we have to learn how to get. Make sure we know all the milestones in a story, so that we're organizing and understanding what the context of what's being said is. Because when we lose the context, we really we lose the ability to really understand.
0: So does does this look different for my three-year-old versus my 16-year-old? Can that be applied? We're just trying to get that context
1: out. You want to make sure you get all the milestones on the story. And I'll give you a tip for your listeners to apply. But one of the things is kind of like watching a movie. You know you're watching a story. You know it's going to go somewhere. And when you know that and you I mean, this is how they build stories in Hollywood. They build them by knowing what the the trajectory of that story is. It's it's very true when we're listening as well. So there's two questions that we can I can give your listeners to really ask to really help with that. Yeah. What are those questions? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, this is the old adage. My kid doesn't want to talk to me. Like I asked him how school was or whatever. Well, those are very they're called closed ended questions and they tend to shut kids down and and nothing works 100 percent of the time. Just like disciplining. You've got to just do it until. But two questions that are very powerful. One is when when you ask about school, for example, you can say, take me back to the beginning. How did your day start? When you do that, then they go in. They start to imagine in their minds. And again, now we're looking at the map, and that's one of the tools and the milestones on that map. Then you start to understand where their day began, and you learn a lot more. We had a we had a client who's um was a mother, and she had the mommy guilt. She had a six year old at home, you know, was working, and she said during the summer she started asking, "Take me back to the beginning," and she would hear about the entire day step by step. So she felt like she relived her son's day when she was at work, which was just like such a gift for her and for him to connect around, even though she wasn't with him in person. So it was really sweet. Um, But one of the most simple things you can do with any age kid or your spouse is when they start to talk, we tend to want to solve. You can tell your husband this, okay. And instead of trying to solve or tell, simply ask, tell me more. Okay. 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 So we call these these two questions, take me back to the beginning and tell me more. That's the compass. That's how to stay, you know, navigate in the woods without getting lost to the, the path, to the story. And they're the most powerful questions because these are what great listeners do. Interviewers, great journalists, great therapists. They know how to get the story. So when they do that, they use these two among the other four questions that are part of the compass to really, to really let that story unfold. And those are very powerful questions. Take me back and tell me more.
0: When we're having conflict with our spouse or with a child to say, I hear you saying this, just also to clarify, am I hearing you right? Like you said about the water cooler um, interpretation, it's making sure that we're clear on what the other person is saying, because so much is said with one person and then it's lost in translation and then we have these attachments to what we think they said when really they're saying something
1: else. That's right. And so so when you and reflect is a good word, we call that the flashlight. We're shining a light on the important parts, both facts and feelings of what somebody said. We do it like this. Let me see if I get you, Diane. It sounds like blah 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 and you told me this. Do I get you? And when I when I bookend that and affirm that then I know we're aligned because listening is not about agreement. It's about alignment. So we're not always going to agree on this is mommy wants you to go to bed. You don't like it. Do I get you? You're frustrated. You are not tired. You're you want to stay up longer. That's that's the alignment. That doesn't mean you say no, you still say no. But once when, when somebody feels understood, even the little ones, you validate them in a way that makes it easier for them to cooperate.
0: One quick thing I meant to ask you is, you talked about with multitasking. So, is it a bad idea to have these conversations where we're practicing? I keep calling it active listening, but it would it be bad to do this during dinner time when I'm cooking dinner?
1: Well, the, I appreciate your uh, your you know your cautionary to the active listening. We call it transformational listening or story gathering, okay? Because we're transforming how we listen. But is it okay? It is. It is OK because you're not going to not be able to do it. But when you I mean, because your kids are going to be there, right? They're just going to be constantly. It's just OK if they're getting into something more emotionally important that you put a hold on it and say, let's this is very important. And let's talk about that in five minutes because I want to make sure I really am you know, getting you. So it's OK to just put it on the side burner and go not right now because it's too important. And then you can come back to it. But when they're talking to you, just say, tell me more and you'll be surprised how much they start opening up to you and you can cook while they talk. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Christine, do you have any other word of encouragement that you want to leave with the listeners before we wrap up the conversation?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think um, don't expect your kids to listen just because you tell them to. So this is a skill. This is not something that works like walking. They have legs, they're going to walk, so they have ears, they're going to learn to listen. We we have to help them learn how to listen, and we have to do that by learning to listen ourselves. So understanding how to listen and having those tools is critical to success.
0: Yes. I love how you said that we're teaching this from a really young age. So it's, it's encouraging to me that I can create better habits with my three-year-old that maybe I didn't implement with my eight-year-old. But again, parenthood is all a work in progress.
1: (laughs) It's a work in progress and it's not too late. I mean, if you start at eight, are you kidding me? You are so far ahead of the game, so far ahead of the game. And you can just do it one question at a time or one tool at a time, yeah, um, so that you know it's just about creating those habits. And when they see it, like I see it with my nieces because I grew up with my brother and and we, yeah. listened, we had a language for listening, and I see that they do many of the things they don't have the language around it like I do. They're yeah. doing many of the same things because this is how they were habituated as well,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, Christine, where can listeners connect with you online if they want to do so?
1: The any social media outlet is C Miles Listens. Our company website is Equipped. That's E-Q-U-I-P-T, P P as in Paul, T as in Tom, people.com. And the book's available in any format and audio book included, because I know, you know, sometimes we don't have time to sit down and read a book. So audio, Kindle, hardback, softback on all the major outlets, Amazon, easy to get. So and again, the last third of the book is really the listening path and the tools. Go right to the third part of the book if you want to implement the tools.
0: Absolutely. Well, Christine, I didn't prompt you for this, but I ask every guest two questions before we end the conversation. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: Yeah, there's a book called The Tao of Coaching. And it's really, it's this little handbook. And look, I think as parents and as people, we're always coaching. So learning ha- how to be a good coach really helps us in so many facets. So that's a that's a quick guide. Yeah, cool. By Max Landsberg, it looks yep, like. it's a great okay. little handbook. Yep. Cool. Well,
0: my last question for you is: What is something that you can't stop talking about?
1: Right now, it's tennis. Let me just. <laughs> so I, uh, I mean, a lot of people are watching Breakpoint too, which is a docuseries series on on Netflix. So I I was injured in an auto accident when I was twenty eight, and I had a lot of years of both chronic and and um, acute pain. So I started playing two years ago. So I'm a little obsessed. So, mm-hmm. but I love the mental discipline around it and really the mental toughness of the game and being really strategic. So I really can't get enough of that right now.
0: There are tennis courts at the park at the end of our street. And I have every intention to go down there the few summers we've lived here. And so hopefully I can get down there because we do have tennis rackets and everyone that plays tennis I know loves it.
1: Yeah. Well, and pickleball's coming your way. Let me just prepare you because a lot of, because it used to be that only older people were playing pickleball, Uh but not anymore. It is now the rage. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with tennis as long as I can, but I think pickle. I mean, pickleball ball seems to be like, you're standing on top of the ping pong table. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: feel that way too, when I've seen it played, but I have very, I'm almost six feet tall. So I have these huge arms.
1: I Me need too. to back. Yeah. Were you an athlete? You look like you were an athlete.
0: Me? I look that way, but looks can be deceiving. <laughs> I was never an athlete. I, I was, I did pottery growing up. I did oh. pottery dancing. I am. Yeah. Not athletic at all. That's I do all right. like be outside, but yeah,
1: not athletic. Yeah, that's at funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to I'm, I'm not, I'm five, nine, but people think I'm six feet tall. Cause I'm like an optical, I'm like very long limbed. Like it sounds like yeah. you are. So. Yeah. yeah at least we can find pants long enough now. That's all I can I know. Thank goodness, in those day, tall it was, sizes. It was rough back in the yes. day. Yes.
0: Well, Christine, thanks so much for joining me today. I hope this conversation has been helpful to parents. Yeah,
1: me too. It was great. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation.